passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and Waiting the A-Team. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the post-wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA Now on the John and Way Take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind Around. I am John Pollock, and I'm joined by... Mr. Waiting. Hey, John, what's up? How you doing? Uh, it's going okay. It's going well. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I believe that. Sounds like genuine well. All right. Skeptical when I say that usually? Depends on the tone. Sometimes I, you know, I can kind of read between what you're actually saying. I've got like this different setup today. Uh, so you're actually like over here in the corner. So it's very awkward not to look at you. I need, huh. to, I need to set this up a bit better, but this is actually uh, a bit better for me. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll try it so out. It's, it's it's like you're in the corner of my eye, so it kind of feels like I'm ignoring you, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to minimize this. Okay. Cause I'm it okay. feels weird. It's like, you're looking at me. It's like, Hey, can you at least address me here? But I, no, I got you. it. It's very bizarre. It's, it's no problem. It's I, cutting, it's crossing some axis in the, in my, in my memory, in my mind. I'm, I'm used psyche. to getting it. I'm used to getting ignored. It's totally fine. Uh, well, I'm one that I usually enjoy being ignored. So there you go. We cancel one another out. Um, how was your afternoon? Um, uh, totally fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. These uh, these early af- these afternoon recordings have kind of killed our uh, <laughs> banter on these shows. I'm up to evening. date on your weekend. They're totally redundant now. I have to say. I mean, you could have done something um, really memorable in the uh, hours. Like you went out. Did you go out in your car today after? No, I did oh, not. No, I were, stayed you, in. You've been inside? Okay. I did the dishes. Um, that's always a fun so highlight. Yeah. Okay. I all right. Too. Yeah. Um, you know, how many uh, plates? <laughs> uh, four. Four plates? Wow. Okay. That's not that much. Really. Yeah. There was, uh, there you was have a dishwasher, though, don't you? I do, but I, I still uh, I, I still rinse. You, you don't put them in with like all the food and stuff on them, do you? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. 
It's not good. But I, I, you know, I've talked about this before on the wellness policy, but it's actually something I quite enjoy, like a full dishwash, you know, because I have a whole process. Oh, I, I love it. I put, I put my headphones on. It's like a yeah. relaxing forty-five minutes. Oh yeah, especially like after dinner. Like you don't want to just like sit down after you're like you're full. You know, it's good to do something standing up. And so for me, it's like, like doing the dishes. Like it's a whole routine. So I'm actually gonna probably get a dishwasher like next year. And I feel like this is something I'm actually gonna miss. You know, a little bit. I say that now, but I probably won't miss it. Miss the convenience. Uh, once I have the convenience, I mean. Uh. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, there, there's still some dishwashing that will come with it, even with, with a dishwasher. It's still um, there's still a bit of a some maintenance required, some physical labor. Mm-hmm. Is this uh, is this exciting? Is this like are people like? Well, wait, shut, we're down to the subject. Now? I got I got lambasted today for talking for answering a question, mind you, that you posed of, about uh, a television show that I don't even know if we can say what television show we were talking about. So I'm just I'm just whittling down what is what is safe talk. Uh, at are this you, point. Are you I, I wanted I wanted to ask you about Knott's Landing because I think it's been enough decades now that we could talk about Knott's Landing. What what sort of lambasting are you talking about? Care oh. to share? Oh, you know what? Uh you know, you know, you blurt out a simple comment about uh a, a character being killed off <laughs> and then uh everyone just loses their mind. No. Uh I'm I'm joking. So you're, but you're of course, people are to- very sensitive about television episodes, and I will just respectfully disagree. That's where that's where I'm at on the the topic of said. Subject. Was there one particular piece of feedback that you would like to um, like, you know, that you're addressing right now or or, or is it in, like more than one? No, it's every time. It's like we, we have this insane discussion about spoilers that I just think is like the, the dumbest topic. I really believe it's the dumbest topic in the world. I, I don't have the I don't have the energy in me to regurgitate the debate once again. Okay then, I won't. Not not uh, not so much you way. I'm just saying. Oh, I, don't, I, I, mean, I talk I, about this now, and then and then tomorrow I, I log on, and it's just like ugh, it's just like venom being spewed at me, and I'm just like I'm not even offended. I'm just like worn out. I'm worn out by it. I'm like, ugh, this again. This is it. This is this is what I've got to I've got to read. This is what my brain has to take in at 10 a.m. I'm just I'm not up for it anymore. I'm too old for this shit. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this is why, like, I know people are sensitive about it. So I, I mean, whatever it's, it's, uh, I want want you way to go watch Spider-Man and then I want you to privately call me and tell me what you thought of the movie. And then we can make allusions to the movie on the podcast. And then uh, for the Christmas show in 2040, we're going to do a review of Spider-Man Far From Home. That's that's what we're going to do because I do want to hear your thoughts on this film, which I'm not going to get to see until later. I mean, I, I think I think engaging in spoiler discussion is perfectly fine as long as you know it's you, you give fair warning, just to kind of give people a chance to you know separate themselves. So we can. We just have to say spoilers, everybody. Spoilers. Uh, this is what happens in this movie. That's uh, all. It's like we're we're talking. Uh, Forget. It. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'll just upset people. Uh, let's 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 move on. We've got a very very busy week at the. You know what? No, it's it's an okay week. Um, there's not a ton of events going on this weekend. We've got uh, Jake Paul in action against uh, Tyron Woodley that I know you will be watching from Tampa. I you know I I I swear that I'm I'm not going to watch every single time. But I think you've watched I every always, one. Yeah, I always end up like having. 
I don't know, finding a stream, uh, a legal stream, uh, having access to a legal stream and not on, and I happen to be free and I always end up like, you know, checking out the shit show. So maybe I will. Have you, uh, this was a press release I got in my inbox, uh, this afternoon at just, uh, just before 6 PM Metallica, one of the most enduringly influential rock bands of all time today announced that they have become an investor in Trillernet, parent company to Triller versus Triad Combat, Triller Fight Club, Fight, and other leading media brands. Terms of the investment are confidential. Quote, Metallica, like Triller, shares the same passion for disrupting the status quo. We are ecstatic to have them as a partner, investor, and now a shareholder. Nothing says uh, disrupting the status quo like an incoming partner, investor, and shareholder. That being Metallica, who were uh, so disruptive back in 2000 when uh, when Napster was uh, trying to just maintain the status quo of the music industry. <laughs> News of the investment comes on the heels of Triller Triad Combat's wildly, wildly successful debut event featuring a performance by, by Metallica, which all makes sense now. Okay, and it just is now a commercial here for uh So so what so when is Lars going to get in there? You know? Maybe oh dude, it's it's got to be Dave Mustaine versus like, you know, James Hetfield or or whoever. It's got they got to settle it like that. Wow. Okay. Wow. So there you go. Plenty of investment uh behind Triller. I I mean, they've got they've got Metallica on board. I mean, anybody with money i'm sure like you know sees that and i don't know it's it's like investing in crypto or whatever bullshit thing um i i mean i'm sure they'll is see triller the crypto currency of combat sports you know I, I feel like there's probably a lot more legitimacy in crypto i know nothing about it so um you know i'm i'm sure i'm sure it's all perfectly legitimate well, that will be uh, happening on, on Saturday night. Uh, but this week on the site, we've got all our, our regular slate of shows coming your way. Thursday, we have got not only a new edition of MCU Later, where WH Park is going to be welcoming Karen Peterson to chat the latest episode, but where you will be live with Jordan Goodman. It is the final wellness policy of 2021. How are you guys uh, giving a farewell to the year? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I... I believe we're we're gonna just kind of recap um a lot of what the year has been so far. We're encouraging this one to be a lot more of an open discussion. We have a, like a pretty intimate group that usually joins us at uh, uh three o'clock on on those on these Thursdays. So hopefully um we'll just kind of leave it open ended and have people you know reassess over the past year what exactly um. I mean, I don't want to say like this is a, a year in review, sort of like, um, hey, how did I do? What did I follow up on my resolutions? No, it's not really going to be like that. It's But a lot of us have kind of gone through a lot of changes over the past year because the world has uh, started off the year in a very different place than maybe for most people where it is right now. So, well, yeah, to be quite honest, you know, if I'm kind of rambling, it's because we don't exactly have a completely defined show. And those tend to often be the best shows. So that's what it'll be this Thursday, three o'clock. Uh live for all patrons and then available on the free feed on Friday. All right. Uh, this weekend as well, we have got the December edition of the NWA podcast uh, dropping with Nate, Chris and Andrew Thompson. And then Sunday night, of course, WrestleNomics radio and Brandon Thurston will be jumping on board with us Friday for the post daily news update, uh, which you can watch every weekday at one Eastern at the post YouTube channel. Now with a brand new graphics package, courtesy of Dickie bird. 
Mm-hmm. This thing looks tremendous. We've had plenty of uh, compliments on, on this already. Dickie Bird, of course, many people know from his excellent work through Up Next, uh, has uh, graciously lended his efforts to helping us out with the post daily update. I mean, we've we've been doing this for over a month now, every single, and I think cl- close to a month doing this live on our YouTube channel, and it's uh, it's really kind of helped the channel grow in a in a really great way over the past um, you know few weeks. So uh, we hope you guys join us if you can one o'clock Eastern time every weekday. Also, wanted to make a special mention that on Saturday for post wrestling. Cafe patrons, we have the second edition of Postmarks coming out. This is an exclusive podcast just for our patrons. We don't really advertise it on the website or anything, but you all get it in your feeds. These are uh, about like an hour long interview with you know members of the post wrestling audience. And to this week, this week, the guest that David and Bruce will be speaking to will be none other than Hanzi. Oh my so, goodness. Uh, get a, a little bit of an in-depth look into the man behind uh, Hanzi, the screen name. So I look forward to that as well. Uh, and final thing to note is that uh, our annual Christmas show will be coming out on Christmas Eve. And we will be doing our Christmas jingle contest where you get to put your skills to the test in audio form. And they can be submitted at forum.postwrestling.com. The deadline is next Tuesday at 10 a.m. So get them in by then and we will play all of the jingles on the Christmas show and then Wei Ting and I will make a selection of who is the king or queen of Christmas 2021. And if you you win, you'll have to have an accent for um, half the time that you speak and then when you get angry, you'll speak uh, an exaggerated version of the way you normally sound. That is right. That will be mandatory for all future calls by the winner. Uh, so look out for that up on the forum and the Christmas show. Once again, we'll be dropping on Christmas Eve for everybody this year. Are you ready for Christmas, Mr. Ting? Sure. Why not? You know, it's what, like 15 it's, degrees outside today. I'm, I'm more than ready. Yeah, it's pretty warm. Uh, we're going to get into raw, but I did want to mention uh, unfortunate news today. And that being uh, the passing of Jimmy Rave, who, I mean, we have outlined the, uh, the numerous health issues that he has had over uh, over the past year or so uh, that resulted in first the amputation of one of his arms, uh, then both of his legs. It's just been um, a horrible, horrible um, set of circumstances that he was going through. And on top of that uh, was just these crippling medical expenses that really kind of galvanized the wrestling community, uh, spearheaded by Mick Foley and High Spots, who recently... Uh, just raised $22,000 to help Jimmy Rave out. And if you saw his posts about uh, these medical bills, um, it was heartbreaking. Um, This was like six figures in medical costs. This is somebody that just, you know, losing what he has and going through just the health issues and to have that on top of it. That is something no one, no individual should ever have to uh, go through that. It's a very sad story. And unfortunately, uh, passing away at 39 years of age yeah yeah um i think you know it's a story that has hit um the wrestling community really really hard um i I mean you know unfortunately it's an industry again where like we we often hear about um performers going going away too soon but i think like it's even worse when when you have a story that you've kind of been able to follow through these sort of news reports and just to see the the continued 
you know, worsening um, shape of this man uh, and, and just the misfortunes that he he's had to experience over the past year plus is is incredibly uh, difficult. I mean, for audiences, but I, I can't imagine what what it, what it was like for him. Uh, I can't imagine what it was like for his family. Um, so it's, you know, this is, it comes kind of off the heels of a lot of maybe, um, nostalgic feelings about like the glory days of Ring of Honor. And certainly that's how I remember Jimmy Rave, you know, as part of the embassy and, mm-hmm. um, somebody who, who really looked to have so, so much potential as part of that whole group, you know, of, of just real great upstarts. And, um, yeah, for one reason or another, it, it didn't pan out that way. Um, and you know, came to a, a, a terribly tragic end. So, uh, our condolences, of course. Yeah, he um, he sadly leaves behind two children. Again, he was only 39 years of age. He got into the industry at a very, very young when he was 16, coming up in the Georgia scene uh, with that with that whole uh, crew in like NWA Wildside. And then, as Way mentioned, like his first big break, like he was on some of those early NWA TNA shows, but it was part of the embassy that I think kind of a, a national audience got to. Uh, see Jimmy Rave, and then of course with with TNA Wrestling when he was teaming with uh, Lance Archer as the Rock and Rave Infection. Um, we have a whole obit on Jimmy Rave on on the site, but certainly uh, in recent memory, it's it's been all the hell struggles, and it's just it's it's a really sad ending to uh, to his story. So you can uh, follow that up on the site, and we will now uh, shift on over to Raw from Monday night. They were in St. Paul, Minnesota. At the XL Energy Center. And this was a show built around Bobby Lashley and his quest to get into the WWE Championship match at day one. And way this to me is a match that every successive week I am less and less interested in this match and this combination. That individually I'm fans of all four of these people, but this combination, it is. It is just um, ramming your head against the wall. And I just, it feels like every interaction is not designed around building a title match. It is, let's get to the punchline of this segment and make it like this. The backdrop is like, everyone thinks this is completely stupid. That's kind of what it feels like. The match you the mean match, the, the program, the everything. It's like none of it is even taken seriously. It's like it's all being done for just like lame comedy. And then you've got this backdrop of Lashley trying to get into this farce and going through all these hoops uh, to get it. And it's just these four are just thrown into every segment on the show. I just I'm just listen, it's nothing against these four, but I just have negative interest in this match by now. And we've got two more weeks to go. I think part of the issue that we've talked about in the past is when WWE has a long time to build something, the creativity sometimes is not there to sustain. Like Rollins had won this four-way before Survivor Series. He announces he's getting his match the night after Survivor Series. And we've got weeks to build this. And now, now I guess we can get into the tag matches involved because now we've got four of them to work with with six more hours of Raw before this pay-per-view. I'm just I'm just done with this combination of these four. I I can't really say the main event at the pay-per-view, you know, does a whole lot to pique my interest, you know, in a time when we see four ways and three ways and five ways and six ways on TV every single week. It's hardly an attraction, you know, to see a fatal four-way on a pay-per-view. And 
Yeah, like this is a show that's going to be headlined by Bro- uh, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. So on the Raw side of things, I suppose they can kind of, you know, save a, a big marquee matchup for the next pay-per-view. That's understandable. Um, but you do have to build your Raw TV show around, you know, not a very hot main event that's coming up on a pay-per-view. So the show is go- going to suffer. With that said, though, I actually was pleasantly surprised with the story that they told for Lashley's quest to get there on this episode. Um, I think they could have done a very straightforward job of having simply either Sonya Deville or Adam Pearce announce that Lashley was just going to be added after last week's interactions. Or they could have had Lashley win three straight matches or one straight match or two straight matches. But I thought they weaved that story, that path, in a in a way that was compel- compelling and logical enough for all the characters that were involved. Well, we'll go into some of the segments. I, I really, I, I thought the main event was fine. And I think this four-way will be a very good match. Um, I'm just, I, I just feel like it's not, um, it's not a match of like any stakes to me uh, watching it, but we'll, we'll talk about it more because it's all over this show. So Bobby Lashley in his red suit comes out with MVP at the beginning and MVP compares Lashley to the candy man. You only have to say his name once and he shows up and there is disrespect among this generation of stars like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins who always whine and complain. Owens comes out and says, I haven't paid attention to you for the last two years. I need to become champion. It's hard enough to win a triple threat. It's even harder with four people, and I'm not going to let you ruin this. Rollins follows. He agrees with Owens uh, that he should not be in the title match either, and Lashley challenges them. Owen, Owens agrees, but him and Rollins dare the other to go first, and Big E is the fourth one out, referring to his collection of idiots and reminds them of his wins over the various men out here. Pierce and DeVille come out threatening fines and suspensions. They like the fatal four-way idea for day one if Bobby Lashley can beat Big E, beat Kevin Owens, and beat Seth Rollins in separate matches tonight. Yeah, so that's the show-long storyline. You know, um, because now you have what are supposed to be three heels going up against one babyface and Big E here, I do think in a way it kind of diminishes like Kevin Owens' you know, relatively recent heel turn in a segment like this, but that, that, you know, my, my tone might, might change throughout the show because I do sense that this is the beginning of a mini baby face or at least tweener turn for Bobby Lashley throughout this episode, simply by stacking the odds this way against Bobby Lashley and him having to beat three opponents just to get into the match. I think that was at least the first step, but you know, there are other things that they'll be doing throughout the show, like him fist bumping Gabe, Gable Stevenson, that seemed to indicate to me that he is on his way to becoming a babyface. I think you definitely get that sense, uh, especially the way the the final match was structured. Lashley coming to the aid of Big E and Lashley. I mean, he's he's like a very easy character to shift because he's just this guy that runs through people. So they could certainly make that shift. My thing is that Owens and Rollins, it just seems like they, they are making them so... Um, They're un- comedic completely like you can't yeah. take these too serious it's like it's it's Tweedledee and Tweedledum together in all of these segments and I do not enjoy the two of them together well I mean I think for them they simply want to do something that's entertaining um and unfortunately or fortunately um they I think Kevin Owens is very good at comedy Seth Rollins I, is, I do too is, but I think Owens like it was just to me it was grading on, on this show like just every segment had to be 
like some like little one liner and it was just like I I don't know it just got maybe because it was so much of it um because Owens is very funny in these segments but I just found it to be a lot with him and Rollins in so many interactions tonight it didn't bother me so much maybe because like this was the first week that we've had it and I understand that they need to try to build something novel you know to carry the segment um they love their tag teams that don't get along and it seems to be a way that they know how to tell story so um they're at least trying something here between the dynamic that Rollins and Owens have is you know heels who sometimes get along but not always before the show, they announced that the Mysterios against Street Profits is has been back, uh, been put back to December twenty seventh due to injuries. So the uh, the pronament uh, will be delayed. Wait, when were the injuries? They just said injuries. That's why the match is off. I mean, they had this match advertised as as late as this afternoon when we were looking at the site. Injuries? Why? Did they get injured? Like I don't know, in catering today. It could like have been why, a paper, paper cut. Maybe they were making Christmas cards for family members. In the at a wrestling show, at at home, you know. But the the, the match was advertised as of this after afternoon. Okay, whatever. Are are you saying WWE <laughs> would advertise something that they might not have fully been aware that they could deliver on? Is that what you are uh, insinuating? Uh, maybe it's the paper cuts. Yeah. Riddles in the locker room with Randy Orton. This is earlier in the day, and. Orton says that Riddle's broadcasting career is over. Riddle acknowledges that. So now he wants to be a podcaster with Randy Orton, citing Pat McAfee's deal with FanDuel. All these all these uh, Johnny-come-latelys way that just think this is so easy. They smell a five uh, eight-figure deal, and all of a sudden, they just think anyone can do this. Well, Randy Orton is a realist, and he turns this down. No podcasting from Riddle and Orton. No, he knows how much work this is. He do, he doesn't want any of this. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised Riddle doesn't already have a podcast. I mean, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that's a, that'll be in the works. Um, maybe Twitch. Maybe you can consider a Twitch streaming next. He'd be um, allowed. If, if WWE is running it, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Riddle, uh, would have loved, uh, Orton says that Riddle should have been in a jackass movie because he is one, uh, but he now needs to focus on Otis. There was also reference to Riddle uh, wanting to become shaman. So, um, you know, a little nod to the MSK uh, storyline that's been going on in NXT. And I I would say this was only notable because I think it's an indication of, of where NXT is at in the greater scheme of the WWE universe. It's it's down to the level of like you know an Easter egg for the hardcores. Oh my god, so. he's referenced. That was an NXT reference. Oh my goodness, fifteen NXT Easter eggs you may find on WWE Raw. Yeah, um, like it's it's just a far cry from where it was, where they were you know the the third competing brand, a whole episode of SmackDown dedicated to like NXT stars like taking over. Now it's reduced to either not mentioned at all or that of a brief mention as an Easter egg. Well, based on that NXT 18 to 49 number last week, no one would have gotten this reference. Yeah, guess that's it. Pearson DeVille tell Owens that he faces Bobby Lashley first uh, because Owens was the latest addition to the match. And Biggie says he will stay champion regardless of how many challengers he has to face at day one. But first, it's Riddle against Otis. 
Very short match. Riddle gets driven into the barricade. We come back from commercial break. Riddle comes back with knee strikes, takes Otis off his feet. He's setting up for the RKO, but gets countered with a pop-up into a slam, and Otis pins Riddle. Otis. Yeah, Otis does pin Riddle. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think any sort of Riddle loss surprises me at this point. Um, He's... You know, sort of like the goofball who is shown to be competent, like he's competitive in the ring. And I think the fans will accept him as as soon as they decide to to push him because he, you know, his his moves look legit. Um, but at the same time, whenever he takes these losses for RK Bro, um, I I don't really bat an eye. And in this case, I actually thought it was nice that Otis happened to get something here because I thought they had given on Otis given up on Otis by now as just, you know, this sort of um, like the other goofball on on the, on this, in this other tag team, but they had him basically do the whole giant thing, not leaving his feet throughout the match and then had a strong, clean win over riddle and even looked competent here against Randy Orton by avoiding the RKO before Orton decided to hit it on Chad Gable instead. So I don't know if it'll lead to a sustained push for Otis or if this is simply just, you know, to set up a next set of challengers for, RK bro, but I thought at least tonight it was mildly successful in elevating Otis. It felt like a concerted effort to put some steam on these two, or at least on Otis. And perhaps it's as simple as they were planning to have a tag title match next week. And now you have a team to replace uh, the Bronament winners. Yeah, perhaps. I'm never saying the name of that tournament again. It just sounds ridiculous. Uh, So yeah, Orton uh, avoided an, uh, his RKO to Otis was blocked and he was, thrown into Gable, hit the RKO, and then Otis hit the Otis effect onto Randy Orton with the spinning elbow. Okay, the Otis effect. <laughs> sure. Bianca Belair and Dewdrop had a rematch from last week. Belair says, many people talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk, except for Dewdrop, who walked out on our match last week. I don't know what's, I don't think that's what they meant by the term walk the walk. Probably not, no. You, you walk out on your showdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dewdrop appears to have a new theme. This also could be her theme from day one that I'm only noticing now. So I, I reserve the judgment there to be wrong. And she says she is sick of hearing about all of Bianca Belair's accolades. Dewdrop is wearing her down avalanche in the corner. Belair goes for a springboard or a handspring and her legs are caught. She gets dropped on the mat and hit in the eye. And (laughs) we got the greatest throw to commercial break in Jimmy Smith's career. This includes MMA, pro wrestling, everything. When he says that Dewdrop is destroying the intestines of Bel Air. What a cliffhanger to go to break from and come back. And would we have like a corpse in the ring? <laughs> I I mean, if you hit the midsection, I'm sure um, at some point you'll reach the intestines. There goes the small intestine. <laughs> Only one left. Intestine-focused offense. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, Belair hits a Michinoku Zack Driver and starts mocking her. Uh, goes for the Vader bomb. That is stopped. And Belair slams her off the turnbuckle with a power bomb and then hits the 450 splash. And Belair gets the victory. Um, I, I think that these two actually work very well together. Dewdrop was kind of just, for lack of a better term, dropped into this program and it's it's been a little awkward to see her as the heel, but I do think that these two have worked off well with each other last week, and I thought so this week again, too. 
Yeah, I think in ring, you know, even like in the in the limited in limited promo time that she's had, I think Dewdrop has done a decent job as the heel. But unfortunately, the the, the turn has been too sudden and without any real motivation from the character for it to be believable. It was only like a month or two two ago, it feels that or maybe even weeks ago when we saw her as the bullied, you know, um, servant of Eva Marie. And now all of a sudden she's bullying Bianca because she's jealous of the spotlight. Like, can you not come up with a more, I don't know, personal grudge for the, these two than, than a generic, I want the spotlight type of motivation for, for Dewdrop? So it's really hard to get into. And I do think like most audiences see this for what this is. It's it's a quick placeholder program for Bel Air. Um, but in ring, you know, I, I do. I agree. I thought there was good chemistry here. You know, I thought Bel, uh, Bel Air, like her charisma, I thought really shined doing the early portion sort of cat and mouse chase off the top um you know i i do sense the crowd's energy maybe dipping a bit towards the end of the, of the match but maybe it just you know comes down to their interest in in the actual story which there isn't much of do you think the dewdrop uh can have a logical out here and make a protest regarding the referee that was assigned to this contest uh who, oh, who was that Aja Smith was back here, the crooked referee that oh. Sonia Deville used a few weeks ago. I did not realize. Somehow she reapplied and got accepted after. No explanation of this at all. This crooked referee we just saw on TV a few weeks ago. Oh it's my Macdown. goodness! Wow. Well, uh, she she should. Start, I mean, she's trying to get a rematch, so obviously she she can use that ankle, perhaps. So then, as they're going through highlights of the match, Bel Air is. Walking up to the entrance, and she is, you know, waving to the crowd. And Dewdrop runs from backstage and attacks her. I was like, how the hell did she transport backstage so quickly and attacked her from behind? I mean, she must have left the ring first, right? I guess so, but that's real quick to get all the way back there, and then, boom, nails her again. Well, she's she's an athlete. She's quick. Kevin Owens was this was with Kevin Patrick. Uh man, St. Paul, not not to the extent of Long Island last week with the Islanders, but man did St. Paul take a verbal beating from this uh these promos tonight. Everyone hated this town. Most most, play, most cities do. Like what what city gets a gets a good, you know, um treatment from from a heel. I mean, it it just seemed they were going they were going very heavy on on St. Paul here. What were the targets? I wasn't even really noticing. What, what, what like what, well, this one? They just called it trash. Later, it was called a a flyover city. I don't know if that's the okay. biggest insult in the world, but um, yeah, Owens called them trash. Everyone here in St. Paul is trash, and <laughs> that's it. They're trash. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not very targeted. I don't think you can take that very personally. It's not like it's not like they offended the like you know the Islanders. Oh man, come on, you. Can, that's far worse. They plugged all the uh, the NIL athletes as uh, Corey Graves tried to pronounce them all. And then they show Gable Stevenson in the crowd who was introduced wearing his gold medal. Yeah. Well, I, this guy was drafted to Raw. You know, they, he's did, like, they did say there was a line in there about they look forward to him arriving here on Raw. When? He, he, he's on the Veer Mahan plan. Is he? Okay. All right then. It'll be a while. So maybe so <laughs> he's, got, he's got a year of college to finish. So <laughs> is Veer Mahan? Yeah, in college right now. <laughs> Veer Mahan. Is new, Veer Mahan <laughs> just went back to school for a four-year program. Is he next in line? <laughs> no, no, he's the back of the line. Mm. 
Kevin Owens and Bobby Lashley. Lashley comes out. He greets Steveson. Uh, Owens misses a senton off the apron to the floor. That looked fun. Um, Biggie is in the back, and he's just like mockingly taking notes. He's like watching the screen and then scribbling and then throwing the pages around. Yeah, he's just trying to, you know, make any sort of stupid trope entertaining. Like, it'll probably end up in a GIF somewhere. GIF, I mean. Yes, yes. Owens assumes control. Lashley Irish whips him into the corner, uh, struggles to get him up for the slam off the shoulders, and then the Hurt Lock is countered with a roll-up. Stunner gets stopped, and Lashley hits a spine buster, goes for the Hurt Lock, and Kevin Owens is tapping before this thing is even applied. This was even faster than Amanda Nunez on Saturday. And he taps in 433, and Rollins is fuming because Owens didn't get the job done and is telling DeVille he didn't even try. He threw the match. He threw it. He didn't throw the match, okay? Let me just say, uh, the match itself I thought was a good little match. You know, like, for, for despite what the story indicates, Kevin Owens is somebody who doesn't know anything but to go 100% in every one of these matches. And he and Lashley, man, Lashley was, uh, I mean, of course Lashley was the MVP of this match. He had three, oh, no pun intended, um, the other MVP of this of this show. Um he had three matches, and every single one of them, I thought Lashley worked really hard. But in this particular one, I thought I thought Owens really, you know, brought it as well. Like these are two guys who who really do go all out anytime they're given an opportunity to. Uh, but the the story had to be Owens giving up early, and I think it makes sense. Owens has no reason to work that hard once he realizes that he's likely not to get out of this, you know, hurt lock. So why get hurt? ahead of, of this show that you've got, you know, this this big match you've got going on, when, you know, you can let somebody else do the rest of this. Um, there are other ways to stop Bobby Lashley later on, and he didn't need to have to put himself through this. And I think it continues to build this sort of, like, very cerebral, you know, clever character that Kevin Owens has been building as a heel. Then we got a promo for Veer Mahan. Um, your updated count, everyone. Days since he was drafted to Raw? 70. <laughs> wow. So he's, I mean, he's going to he make it one of these days. I think Gable Stevenson will probably debut before him. He might be. Becky Lynch comes out. She said, I retained my title just like I said I would. Her her and um, Seth were both wearing uh, Prince-inspired outfits tonight. Oh, were these Prince-inspired? Okay. I believe so. All yeah, right. like she was wearing something that looked like the Prince logo, and at least he was wearing something in purple. So, I mean, Minnesota, I guess. Well, why are they endearing themselves so much? Um, I don't what's know. A, what's that going to generate? Um, that was what the baby nothing. faces did at Full Gear last month. That's that, that's a baby face thing. Well, you're not supposed to like. Well, maybe the, yeah, especially for Becky. Maybe that's why so many people liked her. Well, maybe great. That's why these kids loved her. <laughs> well, dude, these kids loved Becky Lynch. Yeah, God. they did. So They're big Prince fans. She puts over her win over Liv and says that even if Liv had won, if she was standing here with the title, you would find every reason to doubt her because you don't know what you want. You chanted for my return. I come back and then you criticize how I do my job. You fans have opinions of how I do my job. You've never stepped in this ring. How many bumps have you taken? I broke down barriers. I left on top. I evolved and... 
She shows a photo of the angry Liv girl from last week that will live in infamy. Liv Morgan comes out and St. Paul is sick of hearing your broken record. So she's making it very clear. Cheer for me, St. Paul, because I'm calling you St. Paul. Becky is doubting her. That's the reason that you almost lost and you had to cheat to win. And she shows a photo of Becky holding the bottom rope and says that Becky, you are the best, but only the best at cheating to win. And I did cry last week. Yeah. You're the best (laughs) at being the worst. (laughs) 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 Oh, I felt like I was like back in like sixth grade here with this promo. (laughs) She cried last week, but not because she's weak, because she's human. And I know that I can beat you. And I believe, just like that little girl last week, and I'm going to make that title mean something again for people like that little girl. And I want a rematch at day one. I think even this little kid would be like, eh, you did lose the match. You got to do a little bit more than that. On the show where I'm watching this guy run through three hoops to get into a match, you just want to snap your fingers and get a rematch? It's not how this works. But apparently it is. I mean, you know, there aren't too many other challengers um, for Becky Lynch as there are for for Big E, I suppose. I I guess we got got Juliana Pena here. She's going to bypass some. Becky blames her for not being ready. She doesn't possess the killer instinct, and this is too much. Liv attacks her, but Becky gets the upper hand, sending her into the steps, stomps her arm, and then kicks the steps with Liv's arm trapped in there. She's clutching at her elbow, and Becky accepts the rematch, seeing that Liv is injured, and now Becky is going to go home to train, hang out with her hot husband and her baby, and Liv is left there. Mm-hmm. Dead. That was it. Yeah. But uh, do, do you want to recap the uh, the the fans ringside and the the rally cry that they were giving for one Liv Morgan that was like throwing her off? Um, I, I mean, I, I guess it depends which fans you were paying attention to. But it, first of all, I I really love the fact that they focused on this angry Liv girl that I guess we're we're dubbing her as now. She was by far the best thing to come out of that match last week. We, we got and, angry Liv girl and a shot of angry Miz girl on the same show. There we go. There we go. Everything uh, old is new. So, yeah, like she was great. And I think like by emphasizing her, I think you're able to like, you know, color our memories a little bit different and make it seem like the crowd last week was a lot more for Liv Morgan than they actually were. Um, But they got out of it some great visuals with that little girl. And and I'm really glad that they, they used them here. Unfortunately, I don't. Something tells me they're not going to really focus on the on the little girls um, next to Liv Morgan on this particular show because th- there was a huge Becky Lynch fan. That I was love like, for you, Becky. <laughs> that was like wearing a Becky Lynch shirt and like making these awesome faces at Liv Morgan with every line that she was cutting, like right in the se- in the sh- center of the shot. Um, so you know, like you know what the deal is here with Becky Lynch. Every week, it feels like she co- gets into a new town. She embraces the the applause. She starts off cutting a bit of a babyface promo, and then every week she has to work to turn the crowd on her. So it's like, you know, you it's like getting on uh, like there are two sides of the escalator. There's a, a an easy path for her to get down to the next level, but every week she decides to walk up the opposite way. So th- th- I mean, that's the direction that they've chosen, and um, she has to work extra hard at 
um, doing something that's ultimately maybe not as effective as strictly p- pushing her as a baby face. But um, I like the fire that they showed from Liv Morgan here. I asked you last week, hey, like, what sort of like you know character development or evolution are we going to get out of Liv? I think like having her be a lot more aggressive and tapping into the Damien of, of a Liv Morgan character, at least getting a bit more angry is is at least a different wrinkle to the rematch that they can try to promote. Well, but she better I better be pissed after tonight. She's got like a broken arm now. Well, I don't think they showed enough of it. This was a week where I feel like Liv really should have had the upper hand and unfortunately she had a broken hand instead. Um Ooh. and I, I know that it'll prob they'll probably use it in the story, but like I think Liv needed to at least get a little bit more. She's still in a position where she has to gain the crowd's favor. Like going against Becky Lynch, that's like, you know, it's probably an impossible task. But but I do think she needed more than what they had here before they went to the heat of like you know breaking the hand again. AJ Styles was backstage with Sarah Schreiber and said that they are him and Omos are are struggling to function together and calls it disrespectful how Omos walked out on them last week. But they're going through growing pains. He's never seen someone like Omos in his career. He taught him to do things the right way. I want to see Omos succeed. And with that, Omos appears, puts his arm around AJ. And they say that they're golden and neither one are giving up on this team. So either AJ is turning babyface and Olmos is about to attack him, or they both turn babyface, or or AJ's gonna turn on Omos. I think that's the more likely scenario. Mm. Yeah. Outdoors we go, which is the only thing that differentiates this from any other 24-7 segment recently. Dana Brooke and Reggie are walking outside, and Reggie is trying to ask Dana out on a date for hot chocolate to go over tips for being a 24-7 champion. What a lame date. (laughs) No one's ever asked you, or you never asked a girl out for tips on... On how to be a great podcast. I don't know. I don't know what the equivalent to a 24-7 title is. In, in I don't know profession. if there is, a, there is an equivalency. Truth and Tozawa are in their costumes. They they were dressed up way to try and hide their identities, and they got caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dana runs away, uh, got grabbed by Tamina, ended up in a snowbank. Tamina yelled at Truth and Tozawa, and... The only saving grace of this segment was Corey Graves' reaction when they went back into the arena, whose recap of this segment was, and I quote, of all the things I've seen, that was the most recent. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, you know, at least they're doing something. Like, it feels like Dana. Are they? This- are they really doing something? Well, well at least uh, uh, Dana at, won this thing, I think, like three weeks ago, and she hasn't been on tv at all other than like walking through the back this week at least they went back to yes they're they're going back and doing the same gimmick but now they're at least throwing a bit of a romance into it okay so dana and, and reggie are are going to try to date and they're both going to try to evade these uh 24 7 geeks including tamina now at the same time so that at least makes it a little bit more different than you know this endless cycle of reggie trying to you know escape these guys i'm i'm kind of curious to see this like you know uh budding romance uh from these two 24 7 champions trying to uh just escape you know try to go on their date we'll see how this romance progresses 
Best buds Damian Priest and Finn Balor teamed up against Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Priest took out both men on the floor. They went through the commercial. Roode hit a spine buster. Ziggler gets sent out. And Balor hits a Topic on Hero where it didn't look like either guy caught him. So this dude just crashed on the floor. Yeah. Happy yeah. holidays, Finn. Shotgun dropkick. Balor is climbing up for the coup de grace when Austin Theory appears on the apron to take a selfie. The distraction <laughs> leads to the zigzag and Ziggler pins Finn Balor. Can you imagine just saying that line out of context to recap this I, match? I'm just envisioning WH Park sticking around after a final battle to to watch this show. Dude, it's hard when when WH is not into something. He's got this look, and and it's he's just it's it's like you in the corner here. That's just giving me like the uh, that, that that look of like what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when this match started, I actually was a, a bit more enthused because I think P- Balor and Priest together, I I kind of enjoy because they both have the alter ego thing, and I would have loved to have seen a story of Balor playing a bit of like a mentor to Priest on how to control his his alter ego how to control the dark side like the way he's been able to manage the demon and is able to seemingly you know use the demon at will but that doesn't seem to be the direction here um this just really just seemed like a backdrop for the austin theory selfie (laughs) angle so so forget uh every you know everything that i I was wishing for more follow-up with austin theory with the greatest segment of the year to come Rhea Ripley is with Nikki Ash. Nikki's really down on herself. Nikki says, Rhea, you've got this tonight. You're going to make Zelina pay. You've got this. Unlike me. And Rhea is concerned for her friend. Nikki has barely slept or eaten since last week after her loss to Vega. I'm trying my best, but I keep letting you down. Rhea tells Nikki to snap out of it and gives her a pep talk, reminding her that you won money in the bank and you became champion. You did that by beating Charlotte Flair. Something that I haven't even been able to do. I need that Nikki back. And I want to go out and shut those Muppets up. And Nikki plays this up like really well. That's like, that's a wonderful speech. It means absolutely nothing to me. But thank I appreciate you trying to lift up my spirits, Rhea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't exactly, you know, trying to console buddy somebody by like saying who hasn't ran over a kid with a Porsche. <laughs> um, but it was on the I you know, similar. It was a very, a very kind gesture by 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 Rhea. You know, in your recap, John, I mean I <laughs> I I thought the recap was really funny. Um, and I it's hard for me to tell like what you actually thought about the segment, but I actually thought this was a really rare case of me actually finding like enjoyable depth in a Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash segment. Um, I thought Nikki's vulnerability was really well displayed in playing this sort of like, you know, character who, who struggles with her self-confidence. And I thought Rhea's pep talk like was delivered with a lot of sincerity. I thought it was well-written like her bringing up that you beaten Charlotte, something I haven't even done yet. I thought it was like, like that's good material that makes me believe that in this conversation. So, um, it was probably one of the best things I've seen these two involved in. So I, I thought it was a strong start to the new storyline. 
I thought I thought it was I I thought it was fine. Like I think Nikki is a very good performer. I think that the superhero character has kind of uh outlived its usefulness and maybe this story will kind of transition her away from that because it feels that that is um it, it just feels kind of like it was this flash in the pan character that she's outgrown at, at this point. I mean, it's always I'm hoping with this chapter of whatever Nikki Ash is supposed to be that they do actually kind of get into maybe a bit of the weeds of what the character is about. Like the character had like her putting on the mask and the costume has always been about her trying to live up and overcome her self-confidence issues. But I don't think it's ever been like played up that way or at least played up in, in a very interesting way with that much struggle. It's like she put on the outfit and that's it. She won. Now we actually get to see a test. You know, like she is actually dealing with it and she's actually like, you know, um, suffering from it. And we get to see Rhea Ripley try to like, you know, hold her best friend back up. So if, if they can kind of maintain like this level or at least hopefully build build on it, I, I would actually be into it. Carmela introduces Queen Zelina, who does her usual accent until she gets upset and rails on the low life trash of these fans, just like Rhea Ripley. So they've now like added music to so so when she's speaking in the bad british accent there's music but when she breaks and gets into her new york accent they cut the music as she yells so they've been able to build the contrast i think a lot better now in the weeks uh, since it's debuted um so i don't know if it's even at the level of good yet but i would say it's at least showing signs of improvement and refinement and this is where she calls minnesota a flyover state yeah, a big airport there or something? Uh, no, airports in surrounding states that people, oh. uh, that's their destination. Not No one lands in Minnesota. You don't drive to Minnesota. You drive through Minnesota. Got it, okay. What a, Ouch. Man, very, very venomous. So Carmela gets on the apron. Nikki chases her around, and it blocks a riptide attempt because Rhea goes to check on Nikki Gets kneed from behind and rolled up by Zelina Vega in uh, 51 seconds. They concluded this one, and Nikki screws up again, and Rhea is upset. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's logical booking for the story. Nikki will blame herself. You know, her uh, the self confidence will continue to worsen. Um, I I was pleasantly surprised by the improvements in the story. Rollins you gets a, you don't agree. No, <laughs> like, it's like I think we're all off. this. I, I think you're being very optimistic of these stories. Like I, I have just very little faith that in a month's time we'll even remember any of this. I'm so not, being, I, but I'm not looking towards the future. I'm strictly creating what I see tonight. Sure, on on its own, um, th- this was fine. Yeah, it was it was fine. It was uh, 51 seconds, and we'll, we'll probably see many more iterations of, of this in the weeks to come. Rollins is upset when Kevin Owens appears in the back. Owens wants to be in his corner as a counter to MVP and explains why he didn't want to get hurt by being in the hurt lock. That is its name. And Rollins does not want him to be out there for his match. But Kevin Owens has a plan. So Rollins takes on Bobby Lashley. Rollins uh, sends him into the post and tries to win by count out, but Lashley beats the count. Biggie is still taking notes in the locker room. Lashley then turns it around. He hits the flatliner when Owens runs down and he begins attacking Rollins. And they actually did the thing we said, like, this is how you can get around this. He he causes Rollins to win 
by disqualification. And when Rollins realizes what Owens has done, he is so happy and he celebrates this victory. It was the, it was like last week. I think I had a lot of problem with the way that they had, they scripted the show and that Kevin Owens had to assume so many things were going to go right in order for his plan to actually be executed. That was total bullshit. I thought this week was like relatively airtight in terms of logic, you know, for for a WWE show. Like it wasn't really Owens leaving anything to chant. He came out here, executed the DQ in order to get the result that that he wanted. So uh, again, I thought it like this was smart. It, it continued again the Kevin Owens sort of like you know thinking man's game that he's been building up. Well, their plan was thwarted when Pierce and Deville came out. In a total babyface act, I I can't keep these characters straight. Of like they're what? they're interchangeable. I mean, you know, their best interests are, are, are is just the show. Unless it's Naomi, then then she hates. And on Raw, like, on Raw, Deville yeah. is completely like uh, total like she's just face a, authority figure. She's not. She's got no real character on Raw. Like her her character work is is on SmackDown. Yes, yes, and they call it clever. But it is not going going down like that. Not in St. Paul, they say. And they restart the match, and it is now no disqualification. And with that, Lashley spears Rollins and pins him in nine seconds. He gets through yeah. the, the second the second of three challenges. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Owen stuff was like it was actually clever and logical. And you know, in their minds, this is like sort of the type of finish that'll protect Seth because it ended up in a distraction before Lashley got the spear. So, I mean, you know, it was, it it worked according to their style. And then we see Vince McMahon sitting with Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz. How badly I wanted to hear this conversation. Austin Theory bursts into the room and brags about what he did to Finn Balor and expecting the unexpected. Vince sends Aziz and Cruz out of the room and Theory sits down and Vince McMahon with my volume at 60 asks Austin if he wants a trophy. Do you want a participation trophy? How about I give you my autograph or a doily? He offered him a doily. It's like, where do you, where do you even buy doilies? Dude, like, where do you even come up with this segment? He is upset that Austin Theory barged in here as if they are friends. Austin goes to explain, and he is cut off with a big, shut up. He explains that Theory is not his friend. I don't have any friends. And then he threatens to pull out the world's most deadly weapon. He pulls out a pencil. But he explains to young Austin, it is not the lead that is dangerous. It is the eraser. Mm-hmm. Dude, What's he saying? Nuts. Gonna, these are nuts. What's he going to do? Like rewrite the script? Yeah, he should say the most dangerous tools are these hands when I tear up the script at 6 p.m. What else is he referring to? I mean, he is the booker. I mean, he's got the that's, pencil. That's literally what this was. It's like, I'm the guy that writes the show, and I can either write you into the show, 
or I can write you all out of the show. That's pretty much what he said here. Maybe this will all be like, you know, uh, revealed to be in Austin Theory's imagination. And these vignettes are just like his dream sequences. He just mm, dreamt But it there's all. been other people here. Like, would they not? He dreamt able- them too. They were dreams? Okay. He dreamt Apollo Cruz. He dreamt um, Roman Reigns. He dreamt the egg. <laughs> that explains it. You know what oh, I want? A figment this- of his imagination. You know what I, I believe that this should lead up to? They okay. made the mistake, okay? They're making the New Year's Eve SmackDown the best of show. What they needed to do was tape a show in advance for New Year's Eve because I would love nothing more than at 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve on Fox. There is Vince McMahon alone leaving Titan Towers to walk home all by himself, and it is a Vince Miss Carroll for two hours as he is visited by the the ghosts of sports entertainment past, present, and future. Well, is, who, who would be the past? I'm curious. Who would you cast? Well, well, Jacob Marley would be. <laughs> that would have to be his father. Expo- like, yeah, speaking Vince, to him. Vince Senior okay? has to. That's be definitely Vince Senior. Yeah, Vince then Senior. you get the ghost of wrestling past. Okay, so this would be uh, going back. Maybe this is going back to his days, like uh, running the Cape Cod Coliseum. Um, it could be. Who who could play the the ghost? How of, far uh, back are we going though? Because I think for a mainstream past, I think you could use Brett. You know, he's he's probably on call, like it, recent enough. Okay. Um. Pre- okay. Pre- present present would have to be what? Um. Nikon. Uh, is he a ghost though? Like, how how do you like? Does does the ghost ha- does a ghost have to be somebody he he's wronged or, or like just anybody? Like. It doesn't you know. have to be a connection to him. It's just more fun that way. Oh, you want it to be Nikon? Okay. He's and making then, his on-screen debut. Nikon. And then the yeah. and then the ghost of a uh, Christmas future. We've got um Dominic. Tony. Okay. Tony. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Why don't we go with that? How about Killer Con, Nick Con, and Tony? The three Tony. cons. Cast it. SmackDown, December twenty fourth. That makes all these segments worth it for two hours of <laughs> A Vince Miss Carroll. Yeah, Peacock, I, I think, would go crazy for that extra content. Like, you know, like bring back WWE Studios. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Seems, uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, please write it, John. You know, if we, maybe an audio documentary. How about that? You got, you got some extra time, I'm sure, in your schedule. <laughs> These segments are just nuts, dude. Like, I it, think they're just, they're just hitting. Like, this is like watching, like, it's a terrible comparison, like of Ric Flair and TNA, where they just, they just hit run, and there was no double. There was no second takes. It yeah no they're 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 pretty wild. I have to say, like I know a lot of you guys aren't watching this show anymore, so you're probably like completely unaware of what's even going on. You're thinking we're making half of this stuff up. It's probably crazier than you actually thinking. I I don't know how this stuff gets on air every single week. These segment segments in particular with Vince attached to them, they are wildly like. <laughs> This, this, dude, I, it's Vince McMahon stream of consciousness is what it feels like. And it is just, he's going to run the segment. And they, it, they're completely just, it just sounds they, like, it's just inane. It's They feel strangely erotic, okay? And I know I'm not the only person who thinks this way. But, like, you watch these, it looks like, I mean, number one, like, I think wrestling and porn acting are actually, like, often mistaken for, for, for each other. It's just, like, amateur level acting. 
but like Vince talking to theory through the through these I don't know if it's Vince's deep voice if it's his dominating voice you know like saying like teasing him by by t- saying that I'm going to pull this out from the bottom of this drawer like that type of shit it's you show this to somebody who doesn't know it's a wrestling show and I would not be surprised if the, if the same thought entered their head well, the saga continues with Vince McMahon and Austin Theory. Um, Maurice is out, and she reminds St. Paul, you're not used to seeing a woman like me, because this place is trash. It's a flyover city. This place is awful. She introduces the Miz, the father of my children, and an awesome human being. Miz is endorsing who he believes should be the Hall of Fame headliner next year and throws to his ho- his own Hall of Fame video package that some poor guy who has way more things to probably do on his on his list of duties this week had to put together this whole video package which probably wasn't like a uh this was like a pro- like probably a solid afternoon of they work. They probably got the same guy who cuts the Hall of Fame videos to cut one of these. Yeah. Like <laughs> For almost like no purpose, like there was just it was just no, like what do you mean there was purpose? Like this is for heat. Like it was it was just to rile the crowd up. Did this rile the crowd up? I mean, it was to entertain first of all, and yeah, it's like you know to for him to say that hey, I'm as great as a Hall of Famer. Well, they come back. These two are like in, they're holding back tears at this this video, and they go to drink champagne and cheers to beating Edge at day one and sending him back into retirement. Edge is out and says, sometimes the greasy wheel doesn't get the grease. It just squeaks and 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 squeaks. Is that annoying, Miz? Because that's what it sounds like every time you open your mouth. Holy shit. That's one where it's like you crafted this in your head and you are you are gung-ho on just riding it to its its full payoff at the end. I mean, a brave man is one Adam Copeland to go out with that one. I mean, I thought the crowd responded to it. There was probably at least some kid out there who was yelling squeaks. Maybe we'll get a shirt. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't meant to be a chant. Some did. Some chanted it. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, did, I didn't think of it as a chant and more so. Wait, just wait, him. we just got over. Uh-oh. Yeah, from Charlotte, but not from Edge. I think Edge has a, a much better sensibility than that. I, I thought it was just his way of actually trying to be annoying. But you're right. Maybe, maybe it was an, a bad attempt at a chant. Edge says he would get his accolades if Miz just shut up. And says, I know who you are. And Miz comes back, oh, you think you know me? And that seemed to legitimately get Edge. I think he really uh, enjoyed that comeback. He calls Miz insecure and afraid. Miz says, I might be scared of the old Edge, not this version. And Edge says, I know you are a future Hall of Famer, Miz. And I'm not taking our match lightly at day one. I'm going to teach you some more lessons. And then with that, he gets the champagne thrown in the face. But Edge, with alcohol seeping into his retina is still able to hit an impaler DDT. He sets up for the spear, but Miz uses his wife as a shield. So edge stops the spear 
and it leads to Miz capitalizing with a skull-crushing finale. And this upsets Maurice to no end and ends up slapping the hell out of her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I get the sense like we're 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 wildly different on this particular show, John. You know, like I I I, I think we're two sides of you know a similar coin where, um, we just had very different viewings. But I I enjoyed this. I thought like Edge when he he had some really good lines when he you know, like was going psychiatrist on the Miz. He was complaining about the Miz overcompensating for his um, lack of self-esteem because he is starting, he thinks that Miz actually takes these criticisms that are, are, you know, put against him to heart. And to me, it's, it's a level of depth that I was missing from the first week that we got last week or the last time these two were, were in the ring together and we continue to get, so I was really happy with that. I thought the the physicality was good, and I really loved, especially Maurice's reaction. I thought Maurice's like acting was actually quite strong here, from you know the fake tears to her shock that the Miz would do this. What I especially loved was a little detail that you know we've seen the Miz and Maurice do the do this spot many times, and Miz was like, understandably, she's he's like. Well, why are you upset? Like, this is our move. I always throw you. I always use you as my shield. And Maurice, her comeback was, I'm a mother. I have two kids now. And she was stunned that this person would throw the mother of her two two children uh, in front in harm in front of in harm's way. You know, yes, they used to do this, but now things are different. And Miz did not have the sense to recognize that. And that's what pissed her off. So it's also this this was okay when I had just one child. But now that I've got two, Mike, that's pretty insensitive. (laughs) I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that was it, too. But it it, it was to me like, you know, a good level of detail there that um, I appreciated. And it also made the segment have consequences. It wasn't simply a week that you could have skipped and, and missed out. I hope that they continue this rift between the two because, you know, as as has been established, Maurice is the advantage that Miz typically has in these matches. And taking Maurice out of the equation, I mean, is ultimately evening in the playing field for for Edge. I I, kind of like the Maurice thing. I think it's ultimately to kind of outsmart Edge that Maurice will end up there. And that's your opening for Beth Phoenix to get involved. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, I would not want to see Miz and Maurice split up. There's no role for Maurice if it's not with the Miz. So I think you ultimately should keep that act together. Or what's the point of even having Maurice on the show? It's true, yeah. So how many weeks do we have until day one? Two more shows. Okay, so we'll see how they build to that. Owens and Rollins find Big E, and Big E warns them not to come help him tonight. He will beat Lashley without their help. If you want this to remain a triple threat, then remain far away. Kevin Owens made a PowerPoint on his phone. So he says, yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely taking those two a lot more comedic than than they were in the past, and um, yeah, it depends. You know, I, I I get the sense they're just trying to be entertaining, but it does maybe take the edge off with, of them. Um, not not the wrestler, but you know, it it kind of takes their their credibility down as competitors a bit. I just think if you're building up to this four way, I really want to see you build up four competitive challengers that that's like everyone's going for this championship. Everyone's got a, a reason to win this, a believability factor to it. And it just, it's too much of me, uh, too much of these two where it just feels as though this is like the two joke participants of the match. 
And well, the problem is you have to make TV, right? And and they they know the way they know how to make TV is through comedy, and and these two happen to be you know they can. But, but here's good. the problem: when the match happens, there's going to be no comedy from those guys, none. But the, the match, match is but the match is not the point. The point well, is then, create, then what are we building to if the match isn't? You are the point? creating three hours of content every week because you're getting paid millions of dollars for it. That's okay. the point. But that's that's way too easy of a to like you can you can have both. you're 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 trying to have yeah, and they are trying to have both. But you have to fill the TV time to get to the the pay per view match. All right. Well, I I don't see how uh, there are two real credible challengers in this match, and that's Biggie and Bobby Lashley. You know, perfect. And, but 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 you know, ult- but ultimately, like to them, that's that it's less important as you know having something compelling to carry your three hours every single week. And and, and we're just at, at least talking about this week when they're. Just starting this, these characters. Final match, no DQ between Bobby Lashley and Biggie. We had a table brought out immediately, but MVP threw it back into the ring. And then we got into a series of belly to bellies from Biggie. Lashley brings in a chair, but is thrown into it. They go through two commercial breaks. Uh, it picks up in the end where Lashley is going for the hurt lock and Biggie stops it. Lashley then hits the spear when Owens and Rollins run down to attack Lashley. Biggie goes after them, but of course he is outnumbered. This is when Lashley gets involved, fighting off Rollins and Owens. E then hits a urinagi to Owens through a table on the floor. Lashley spears Rollins, and as Biggie stands up to Lashley, they're about to go for one final flurry when MVP hits Biggie with a cane shot to the knee, leading to the spear and Lashley victory to make this a four-way on January 1st. I thought the match was really good, really physical off the bat. Um, what is this? Like three segments of 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 a match? Yes. Very physical. A lot of big bumps. Um, you know, of course we had to get the interference at the end, but I thought it made sense through the course of the story and the, and the show. It was Rollins and Owens wanting to maintain, like, keeping Lashley out of the match. So logically, they would of course want to help Biggie win. And you fall into the trouble, though, at that point of making Big E feel like a heel. So instead, you had to have Big E going out of his way to negate the advantage by attacking Rollins and Owens. And in the process, I thought they managed to increase Big E's heroism. So and then after that, like they also had to have Lashley beat Big E while somehow protecting Big E. And I thought they managed that. By having MVP ultimately, you know, be the be the you know handicap that um, cost Biggie after the both of them were completely exhausted from taking out Owens and Rollins. So I thought the match was excellent, and then all the moving pieces culminating in this final bit, I thought were really well laid out to maintain the direction of everybody's character. I liked the match. I, th- I thought they worked a, a very good match together. Um, they saved all the weapons for this match and didn't overdo it either. Um, these two have very good chemistry together, so I, I like that aspect. Uh, two things: I'm just, um, I, I'm just not into the program at all. I did. I thought they did a good job on this show. Of like, we all knew Lashley was going to enter this match at the pay per view. Again, they could have simply had just a straight up series of three straightforward matches, maybe a bunch of kind of you know bullshit DQ things. But I thought they put real effort into like making each finish logically sound and fitting with the characters. And, um, you know, to me, the destination was, was always going to be where it was, but I thought they detoured enough to make the trip compelling. All right. That was the show. Let's go to the forum and 
tonight's show, we start off with Noah from Vaughn. He did not watch Raw, but as of today, it has been 70 days since the second night of the WWE draft where Veer was drafted to Raw. I honestly think he's walking to America from India at this pace. Uh, I think that tweet was made last week. Someone should check up on him. And for reference, those Emelina vignettes from a few, few years back lasted 120 days until she made her debut. So we may have to, a while until Veer makes her debut. And there you go. Those are his thoughts and concern for Veer. I'm guessing we won't see it until after the pay-per-view. Like, there's really no point doing it now. I don't know why they continue to show the vignettes, even. Like, clearly they they, they shot prematurely and are stuck with showing them every single week. So And the same one, no less. It's not even though they are varying it up. It's not like we hear from the guy. He, or he's, they have a voiceover this week. I don't know if that was there before. Oh. But it all looks the same. They need to get the Zai Lee, you know, comic writers to, to work on these. We get a Kate, finally. Kate from Montreal, who says... After tonight, I'm feeling like Kevin is the smartest title contender. Bobby Lashley is the hardest work, hard-working underdog fighting against the odds. And Biggie is also there. His note-taking and his way of exaggerating the TV-watching angle were funny, but I feel like he's been eclipsed by two of his challengers. I wouldn't mind all the twists and turns if I was convinced they had an endgame in mind, but based on history, I suspect they're going to get bored with their current ideas and scrap them. Maybe that's why Vince was so determined to convey the importance of a pencil eraser. It's an important part of the rewriting process. All I want is for WWE to make me feel as excited about anything as they do that one girl in the, in the audience for Becky Lynch. What are the odds? Well, uh, what, are you, what are you excited for on this on this pay-per-view of what's been announced? Like Le- Lesnar and Reigns has been built up significantly. Yeah, what else has been announced on the show? Ed- Edge and Miz, I think they've done a pretty good job with that in the, the three weeks of building that up. Then you've got the four-way. Um, they're mm-hmm. they're going to do Becky and Liv Morgan. Yep. Yeah, not, like match-wise, I'm, I'm not that interested. Um, the Usos versus the New Day is just, right. you know, going to be another match. But uh, all I can ask for is that, you know, at least, like, they put effort into the TV. I felt like they managed to do that today. You know, Kate brings up an interesting point about Big E maybe getting lost, and I don't just disagree with that because in terms of airtime, it feels like Big E has, you know, he had the match, he had the main event, but he did doesn't feel like a featured player. You know, like, it felt like it was, I mean, it was very much Lashley's story tonight, but the rest of the airtime was really given to Rollins and, and Owens, and I... Even though Biggie has the belt, it doesn't necessarily feel like he's he's a lead star on the show, um, and I I definitely start to worry about that. Yeah, I, it's it's almost as though it's like he's got this title defense. It's a bit of a nuisance uh, that he has, but I I think what's tough with the Biggie character is that he like a lot of like the fun segments are things you don't want to completely drop from this character. I think like there's a lot of. Um, a lot of reasons to keep that and not completely take that away from him. But, you know, just stuff like tonight, like the, the note taking that it's it's more just done for like a quick laugh. But I and think he, like and he's doing it. I don't I don't know if he, like Vince is not telling him to do that. I think he's just doing that himself. And, and that's just the thing where it's like, yeah, there's like some cute spots. And it's like, oh, look, he's got his back to the TV. But it's like you, I don't think you want to do that stuff to the detriment of Man, this is just what a what a stupid match or what a stupid concept that we are putting a, a focus on here that kind of just takes you out. It's like if if there's no interest here, why is there interest from me in what is going on here? Yeah, he's mocking like the ridiculousness so. of this. And 
um, if you recognize that it's stupid, you, you probably just should nix it or at least like, you know, do your best to try to not be a part of it. So I'm um, Vince. This promo that you just did on with Austin Theory, it's it's bad. We need to redo it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, those those segments are ridiculous. But at least there's like a there, there's a certain uh, appeal that they still have for me in that it's just how did this make air like that kind of mentality? Definitely. Yeah. Anything involving Vince at this point is is like there's there's a lot to be studied from. Um, they're definitely interest, interesting, I guess. Well, there you go. That will wrap up Rewind to Raw. But we are going to be back on Wednesday night with Dynamite at 1015 Eastern with Winter is Coming. Yeah. Wow. That's this Wednesday. Okay. Hangman Page and Brian Danielson. What else we got? There's only four matches announced. So uh, the, the idea of those two doing some kind of time limit draw, at least we had, as of now. We had, we had one match announced for this edition of Raw, and it didn't end up happening. <laughs> That's right. Well, injuries. Um, well, we do have four matches announced for Winter's Coming. I'm going to imagine um, there's a 100% chance that all of those matches are going to happen on Wednesday. That's my prediction. No, uh, that's that's a probably a good predi- fair prediction. Yeah. Uh, so beyond Danielson and Hangman, they have MJF against Dante Martin for the ring, Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb in their third match, which which is no DQ, and Wardlow against Matt Seidel. So obviously they can add more, but um, yeah, it will be uh, four matches. You could certainly do that draw with Danielson and Page if that's a direction you want to go. And you think they start the show? If you're going to do a draw, I would I would certainly not put it at uh, so late in the show that it has to go right till the end. I'd maybe slot it in the middle, and then if you've got a big angle to shoot, like maybe um, I think people are certainly expecting that based off of kind of winter is coming last year and the potential of just doing doing something noteworthy like they did last year, have this captive audience, and then do something big that brings them back for the next week as well. Yeah, yeah, it will be interesting to see ratings this week as well, both for for Raw and also for for Winter is coming as well, especially. So we'll uh, we'll wait for all that. All right, we will speak with you all Tuesday. We are live, 1 p.m. Eastern time, youtube.com slash postwrestling. And that is it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.